of our study of Galatians. Uh, for those who are visiting, we've been in the book of Galatians studying uh, for the last uh, oh, month or month and a half or so, and we're up into Galatians 4, and so we'll pick up, up with that. <clears throat> this morning, uh, Sean spoke about um, Sarah and Hagar, and of course he primarily focused on the side of uh, Hagar and Ishmael, and of course today, uh, this afternoon, we're going to pick up on Sarah and, and that leading in into Isaac. We'll start with a reference that at least is, uh, whoops, <laughs> uh, that we find in Galatians, uh, since that's from our study. We read, and he, and he went over this this morning, now we brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. And so we know of Isaac as being the son of promise. And then it says, but as that he was born after the flesh, persecuting him was born as spirit, even so it is now. <clears throat> so we know that Isaac, uh, being the son of promise, was born to Abraham and Sarah. And as we know, God made the promise of a child to, uh, to Abraham and Sarah when Abraham, as he said, was about 99, 100 years old, and Sarah was 90 years old. So you know when you think about that right there, that's kind of the beginning of a good story, isn't it? I mean, if you sit there and sometimes we read the Bible and we read, yeah, you know, Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90. Think about that for a moment. I mean, if nothing else, at least as a parent and now a grandparent and, and having grandparents and great-grandparents in the past, you say, I got I to gotta know more about this. How is that going to happen, right? You know, I have, I've, Brack and I were fortunate enough to have great-grandparents live into their 96, 98, 102, and I have to think about what would it have been like to be around the dining table and then break, hey, guess what? <laughs> we're going to have a child. <laughs> and I think that's really the response that we, uh, that Sean was sharing. Um, so, frankly, probably our response would be much like it was, yeah, right. That, that's really funny, God. And, and, and we see uh, that, and I won't, we won't be reading all this, but we see that Abraham, he laughed. And he said, yeah, that's really funny, God. Later we see uh, uh, that Sarah laughed. And as, as Sean said, uh, he called her out on it. But you got to be thinking the, uh, how, how funny that would really be when you stop and think sometimes about, about the scriptures, but, the, but what God was setting up, as we know. And the interesting thing was how God did respond. No, I'm not kidding. You're going to have a child. <laughs> and don't call me out and don't laugh at me. So we go on and see. <clears throat> we'll move on into uh, Genesis 21. And again, I won't be reading uh, some of these scriptures. You can follow along in the context because obviously if we covered uh, all of the context of Isaac here, we'd be uh, reading a lot of verses. So I'll be paragraphing, paraphrasing a lot of this. So time comes, we later see when a child was born as God had appointed uh, that we saw back in Genesis 18 there. And Isaac, or their child was born and he was given the name Isaac, which actually means laughter or to laugh at based on the response of Sarah and Abraham. Obviously, she had been barren, and it was thought to be impossible for her to bear children. And so uh, interesting how that even carries forth in his name, that the uh, response that they had. So Isaac, like his father Abraham, we know that he was a central figure in the establishment of, of the Jewish people. And we're going to find and we're going to see that there's a lot of similar, similar characteristics between Isaac and Abraham. Um, he loved his parents. He loved his children, and, and he tried to raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. We see that referenced as we read in what we know, faith chapter, 
uh, we read that by faith he sojourned in the land of promises in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city with that foundations whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah her receive, herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age uh, because she judged him faithful who had promised. And then we go on again and read down in different verses by faith. Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac and that he'd received the promise of the only begotten son. And by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. And we'll read about some of those uh, uh, texts there later on. So then as we skip forward again, <clears throat> we'll move on into Genesis 22. Interesting thing happens here. We see that God actually tempts Abraham. He came to pass through these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, and he said, uh, Behold, here I am, and again, we'll, we won't go into this lengthy reading, but what we see is as Isaac has grown older, we know the story. There came a day when God told Abraham to take his son Isaac, whom he loved very much, and go up in the mountains of Moriah. He said, I want you to offer your son as a burnt offering on the mountains, and I'm going to show you where to go. What kind of response do you think followed right there? Immediately, the very next morning, Abraham, being a faithful man of God, arose early the next morning, saddled up, gathered up some wood, took a couple of his workers, and he, they and Isaac went off to a place that God had told them. And the third day, Abraham saw the distant mountain, and he said, and he told his men to stay behind. And he told them he and Isaac were heading up to worship and that he'd be back later. Now, again, we, as we read sometimes these scriptures, you just have to sometimes let it go and get your mind back into the setting of this, what has just transpired of this conversation from God to Abraham, his response and immediate action that took place. And we'll, we won't, oops, I didn't mean to go on more than that. I'm going to paraphrase through the next, uh, again, portions of this story. So we know Abraham did as God commanded, and he began to prepare for sacrificing his son. He took a knife, some fire, he took the wood, and he made an altar, and he tied his son upon that altar. And we talked about this here recently in studies. And then the amazing thing is he raised back that hand with that knife and began to slay his son. But what happened? We know that God said, hold it, stop right there. Don't lay a hand on your son. You've proven to me that you were willing to give to me of your only son. And now I know, you know where you stand on, on his faith. Again, you think about that and all the things that transpired in that, those brief sentences. And, of course, we know ultimately when that, the sacrifice was stayed, Isaac uh, uh, looks off, sees a ram in the thicket, begins to offer it as a sacrifice. And then we don't hear a whole lot more about that, that story. But what catches my eye in that story, never do we see Isaac uh, wrestling to get away. We assume that he totally complied um, with his father's commands. So, again, just things that sometimes we pass over in our mind. A lot of times in stories we, we, uh, we, we see one side of it, but I, I picture and I go, I, I don't see any evidence of what happened, how, how uh, Isaac responded. 
we find that Abraham then uh, sent out his oldest son. This is we're moving on into uh, hopefully uh, again. I think I skipped on some uh, verses here. Uh, we find that Abraham sent out his oldest son to help find a wife for Isaac. The servant went out to the city of Nahor. He took a bunch of camels with him, and his job was to go and find this wife. And he did. He went out to this city and he prayed to God to assist him in finding uh, Isaac a wife. And as the story goes, he prayed that he'd find a woman that would actually maybe be coming to him with a vessel on, on her shoulder, uh, that he might be able to go up to her and ask her for a drink. And uh, sure enough, even before his prayers were over, the scriptures say that here approaches Rebecca with a pitcher on her shoulder. And uh, she was a beautiful virgin woman, and, and she came down to the well to uh, fill this pitcher and bring it back. And, and the servant ran to her and asked, hey, please, can I have a drink? And, of course, she offered it to him. Ultimately, she goes and fills it again and lets the camels drink. But um, we begin to see that the um, promise that God also is helping Isaac to find a wonderful wife comes into play. Now, a little story. Uh, we have in our bedroom a picture of, of uh, this exact thing, actually a painting of Rebecca carrying uh, this vessel on her shoulder. And uh, actually, Rebecca's mom painted that for us. So... Kind of a cool story there for us. But um, so the servant ask, eventually asks if he can go with her to lodge in her father's house. And he does so. And there he begins to tell her family of this plan, his mission for being out there. He said, my job is to try to see if I can find a wife for Isaac. And after meeting with them shortly, eventually uh, she becomes his wife. And the scriptures say he loved her uh, very much. And Shortly after that, we know his mother, uh, Sarah, died at the age of 127. By this time, uh, Isaac was about 37, and a few years later, uh, they had married uh, when he was about 40. Or his mother died when he was about 37, and so now, a few years later, Isaac is about 40 here. We're going to finally catch up uh, to this uh, Genesis 25 here. Oddly enough, we again see Rebecca, too, was barren, and so Isaac prayed to God, that she might have children. And God granted this plea about 20 years into their, into their marriage. Now, here's where again the story gets interesting. We know she bore twins, and the Bible says that they struggled within her. She even had questioned God about what's happening, something's wrong with, with me, and, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, God's response to her later. Ultimately, the children were born. Uh, says Esau was born red and full of hair. He was hairy guy and he became a skilled hunter and Jacob was the younger of the twins he was known seen more as a mild man and he just says he dwelt he was a dweller of the tents but what we do know is Isaac loved Esau and Rebecca his wife loved Jacob now this makes the story um, a little bit more complex here it's never good when parents have favoritisms uh but it, it can happen. So soon we see there was a famine in the land that caused Isaac to need to journey to uh, a place called Gerar, where Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, lived. And God said, I don't want you to go into Egypt, uh, but go to the land of this Philistines, this Gerar. We then read that God prepared Isaac are uh, repeated to Isaac the same promises that he had given to Abraham. 
interesting sometimes, again, how we see even throughout the scriptures, history repeating itself. So after being there, Isaac ended up repeating the same lies as his father, Abraham, by telling the people of Gerar that Rebekah was his sister. You see, she was so beautiful, the uh, same reason like Abraham with Sarah. She was so beautiful, he didn't want us to have someone try to come and kill him so that they could take his wife, so he just made up a lie and said, um, you know, she's just my sister. But Abimelech is smart enough. He sees through it. He sees Isaac showing endearment to Rebekah. And he chastises him for lying. And it, but then he turns and tells the people, don't, don't touch this woman or you'll, you'll too be put to death. So while there, Isaac, uh, we see while he's in this land, he's moved to, uh, he prospers. The Bible says he reaped a hundredfold. He had, a, he had a, a great flocks and, and large herds and lots of servants, and he prospered very much. He redug wells that Abraham had dug uh, and that had been filled in. The Philistines ultimately envied Isaac uh, and, uh, for all the goods and, and things that he had, how he had prospered, and ultimately Abimelech sent him away. Uh, but there was a later a time, and we won't get into how that, that peace was made between Abimelech. He recognized that God was truly with Isaac, uh, and they had made peace with one another. So we move on, and uh, as the boys are now grown, we have Esau, Jacob, and Esau. They're about 40 years old, and we begin to start reading in, in chapter uh, 27, where he calls, uh, Isaac calls for Esau. And we'll start here. It says, and it came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called his eldest son and said unto him, My son, and he said unto him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold, now I am old. I know not the day of my death. Now, therefore, take, I pray thee, that thy weapons, thy quiver, and thy bow, and go out into the field and take me some venison and make me savory meat such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat and that my soul may bless thee before I die. So here we see that Isaac uh, calls on his favorite son, tells him to go do this particular thing, go out in the field, kill me a deer, come back, bring it to me, make me a meal, and I'm going to talk to you about a blessing that I'm going to leave for you. Well, the plot thickens, right? <laughs> Rebecca overhears this conversation and, uh, and these instructions, and what does she go do? She goes to her favorite child. Jacob whom she loved and she devises a scheme to deceive his father she tells him what to do what to say and she tells Isaac uh, and to make Isaac bestow the blessing upon uh, Jacob instead of Esau Jacob's a little wary of it at first he said hey you know my brother he's kind of hairy and uh, I have smooth skin uh, what if dad calls me up and wants to feel my skin and then I'll be seen as the deceiver, and he'll curse me and not leave me anything. Uh, Mom said, hey, you know what? The curse will be upon me. You go forth and, you know, you go ahead and do this. So Jacob eventually complies. He goes out in the field, kills the deer, brings the meat back. Mom helps him cook it up. And she even goes steps further by uh, putting clothes on, on Esau, Raymond, uh, or puts Esau's clothes on him. And she puts even a, a skin uh, on his hand and neck. And Jacob goes and, uh, and meets with Isaac, tells him, I have done what you have asked. We'll again, pull forward in this. And we'll pick up in verse 21, I think, here. 
And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him, and said, The, jo the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he discerned him not, because his hands were hairy, and his brother's Esau hands. So he, so he went ahead and blessed him. And then he says, And he said, Art thou my very son Esau? And he said, I am. And he said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's venison, that my soul may bless thee. And he brought it near to him, and he did eat. And he brought him wine, and he drank. And his father Isaac said unto him, Come now, come near now, and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his raiment, and blessed him, and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. Therefore give thee of the dew of heaven, and the fatness of the, of the earth, and plenty of corn and wine. Well, guess what? Esau goes out and hunts too. <laughs> Just as his father had told him. and So he'd gone out and he comes back. And we again pick up now in, in uh, verse 33. Actually, I believe I'm going to have skipped over some verses there. But Esau goes back. He comes back. Goes through the whole deal. Uh, saying, Dad, here I am I. Here I brought your meat. Uh, I'm ready to receive thy blessing, and then we'll pick up in verse 33. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that hath taken venison and brought it to me, and, and, have, and I have eaten all before thou came, camest and have blessed him? Yea, and he shall be blessed. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry, and said unto his father, Bless me, even also my father. And he said, Thy brother came with subtlety and hath taken away that blessing. And he said, Is not the rightly named Jacob? For he had supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he hath taken away my blessing. And he said, Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac answered and said unto him, Esau, Behold, I have made him thy lord, and all his brethren have I given to him for servants. And with corn and wine have I sustained him. And what shall I do now unto thee, my son? And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me even also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And Isaac his father answered and said unto him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. And by the sword shalt thou live and shalt serve thy brother. And it shall come to pass, and that shalt, thou shalt have dominion, that thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. From this point on, and again we're moving pretty rapidly through all this story, but from this point on we know that Esau begins to hate Jacob. From there on, he plots to kill Isaac, or to kill uh, Jacob as soon as Isaac dies. Isaac calls for Jacob and says, you know what, you go back to your mother's homeland uh, and see Laban, Rebekah's brother, and you go out and marry one of his daughters. And Esau, the firstborn, he goes out and marries some heathen women and, and uh, against his father's wishes and like his father Abraham in doing so, uh, the promises can continue through the secondborn of uh, Jacob. Many years later, Jacob returns to see his father Isaac ultimately die at the age of 180 years old, and Esau and Jacob bury him. So just in this one little story that we've taken, there's to me several lessons that you can learn from the life, and, uh, from the life of Isaac. First of all, we see that he's one, Isaac is one of the most faithful characters uh, recorded in the Bible. We read that back in in Hebrews 11. So the first lesson I would say is 
in, in looking at the life of Isaac is look at his faithfulness. We need to live our lives faithfully as a sacrifice to God. You know, one of the most intriguing parts of Isaac's life to me is, again, when he's being prepared by his father to be offered as a burnt sacrifice. Where we also see the lesson in Abraham, um, the confirmation of Abraham's faith. You know, so often, again, when we read this story, we see the faithfulness of Abraham as we try to imagine giving your only child up uh, to be sacrificed. But again, you ever spend really time thinking what it was like for Isaac? When he's going out there, they're making this treacherous uh, haul through the mountains, and he finally looks around, and they come to the place, and he goes, well, hey, uh, where's the sacrifice, <laughs> Dad? And he hears answer, Abraham answer, you know, God will provide himself the lamb for the burnt offering. You know, that could have been overwhelming to Isaac. But instead, he allowed his dad to tie him up on wood. And again, we don't see how he reacted, but we assume there was no struggle. My guess is he would have been likely big enough to resist to some degree and put up a fight. But what I see out of that is as Christians, the need for us to be faithful even unto death. Clearly, Isaac was faithful enough, even in his youth, and we can see that his, great, his faith is much greater than his fear was. We're expected to sacrifice our lives in our service to God. Another lesson that we can see is allow God to be part of choosing your mate. You know, next to repenting and recognizing the need to, to be granted mercy and have our sins washed through baptism, Choosing a mate is one of the most uh, important decisions you'll make in a lifetime. I know we have a few youth here today. You know, once married, you're bound by God's blessings and His grace. And as we seek to become married, it's important to seek God's will rather than our own. You see, when Isaac was seeking a wife, Abraham told him he should look in, in another homeland and, and told him to avoid this land over here. So a lesson for us is pay attention sometimes when we're youth is to our parents for us to consider the heritage and the character of our mate when we see the servant of Abraham praying and seeking to find uh, the wife of Isaac we can clearly see the hand of God involved as Abraham put the destiny of Isaac into uh, the hands of God and the trust of his servant so another lesson that we see here reminds us that when we seek his will, he is able to um, and wants to provide for those who, who serve him and sub submit to his commandments. And finally, the last lesson I think that we can see that, that I've, I've taken in this study is that we need to always be mindful of submitting to the will of God. We know Isaac clearly favored his son Esau more than Jacob. In our family, it's kind of a running joke between Jessica and Rachel that they all say, Dad, you know, come on. We all know Valerie's your favorite child. I used to fight him on it. I'd tell him, Jessica, no one can be the oldest. Rachel, no one can be my middle child. But I finally gave in, and I just started telling him, you're right, she is. <laughs> so, no, that's not true. I, mean, I did tell him that, but it's not true. Uh, But what we see is, in fact, willing to give the double portion of, uh, when we see he was willing to give the double portion of his heritage to Esau, as was custom in the land of, 
of the day. The oldest brother was to receive a greater portion than the youngest, and we know that this didn't happen in this case. Before the twins were born, Rebecca could feel something was wrong. We mentioned that earlier, and the siblings wrestled within her womb, and God spoke to her at the time. And he said, you know, two nations are in your womb. And God said, these two nations, they're going to grow apart. And uh, one's going to be stronger than the other, and, uh, one's, and then ultimately the oldest will end up serving the youngest. And uh, we see that, of course, come to pass. And what we know is, uh, in that response, that that was the will of God uh, from the beginning. God wasn't playing favorites, uh, but ultimately we see, of course, how Esau responded uh, as he possessed the wrong attitude. So the time finally comes to give the blessing to Esau. Isaac was deceived by, uh, to bless Jacob instead. And when Isaac realized he had blessed the wrong person, the Bible said he, he trembled exceedingly and wept. We read that one ago. I believe uh, at this point he recognized and knew that this really was the will of God. Isaac clearly understood what had transpired and what was against the custom of the day. And you know what? He probably could have withdrawn that blessing since he knew it was done in deceit. Nevertheless, he submitted to the will of God and said to Esau uh, what we read up here. So, um, again, a lesson. Like Isaac, we may have our own desires and dreams planned out for our lives. However, we must always make sure that um, our will is also God's will if we want to live in accordance and, and pleasing to him. So whatever we want in life must first be uh, in alignment with God's will and we can, can be confident that God's way will always be better than our ways. And we're reminded of that in Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. You know, God wants what's best for us. But God's plans may not always be our plans. And no doubt, life can be unfair as to the plans and, and desires and hopes we have. But we can also find comfort in knowing that God's will for us is not uh, only a, an excellent one, but it's just and merciful. Uh, these are the thoughts that I have. Uh, there was a lot we could cover about uh, the life of Isaac uh, find uh, some of the things in just this one story very intriguing. If there's any way um, that the church can serve you, we ask you to come forward as we stand and see.